happy Monday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. James Merlot, Rachel Beal, hanging out with you with that peppy music. It just gets your Monday going right, James. Yeah, I was already in a good mood, and then when that started playing, I was dancing in the background. It's uh, rare to go. Let's, let's, let's kick this thing off. Well, it is the final week of Broncos training camp. It gets underway today. Players are already out there taking the field. James, I can't believe we're at this point because – One, it feels like it hasn't been long enough. I feel like we haven't learned all that much about this team. But two, it also feels like it's been going on forever. And so I'm very confused. But so far, what's been your biggest takeaway from Broncos training camp? Uh, Well, I mean, certainly the the talk of training camp has been Nathaniel Hackett's way of of going about business, right? The regen days where one out of every three practices is basically a jog through. That has been a topic of conversation a bunch. Uh, Mm -hmm. The fact that they haven't done seven on seven. They didn't do one-on-ones until Saturday. That was the first time they had done it. I mean, that has been dominating the conversation. The former players that are on the, the fans' staff certainly, uh, for the most part, are, uh, are scratching their heads, wondering what's going on. So it was what I wrote about today at DenverFan.com, and this whole conversation about, well, it's not real football. Look, there's, there's not real football in training camp and the preseason, all that stuff anyway, right? Everybody's just trying to come up with the best way – to simulate as close to real football as you can. So come week one, you're ready to go. But this isn't 1979 anymore. Nobody's doing real football in training camp. So I think it's uh, much ado about nothing. But that has been my big takeaway because Nathaniel Hackett has set himself up for criticism, Rachel. If the Broncos start off slowly, then there are people going to be questioning, hey, maybe you shouldn't you know, do a jog through in 33% of your practices. I like what he's doing. It's outside the box. I think it's sort of bold to go out there and put yourself uh, on the line like that in year one. But there are going to be some questions that are that are going to be asked if they struggle because those are the questions that have dominated the first 10 days of camp. Okay, James, now I'm not picking on you when I say this, but for the man that doesn't like field day, you're okay yep. with us having some jog-throughs and walk-throughs so far at training camp. Yeah, and you know what? You're not the first person to bring this up. I was on with Dan Jacobs on Saturday, he brought it up. I was on with, I think it was Tyler, and he brought it up. Stoke brought it up when I was filling in for Zach on Friday. But the, to me, there's a just a huge difference, right? Like, they're still on the practice field. They're still in their uniform. They're still in helmets. They're still running through plays. There's not a dunk tank and a three-legged race and a sack race going on out there. So I, I still think it's something that when you get out onto the field for, for an actual game – there's some benefit from it, right? It's the visualization, it's the spacing, it's where's everybody supposed to be. Like that is vastly different from just blowing off work and not doing anything. So I think it's apples to oranges. Um, yeah, I'm anti-field day. And if, if they struggle early, and I, I've already had this thought in camp when I hear, well, you know, it takes some time to get the offense and to learn it. Well, then you shouldn't have wasted one of your three mini camp days. I just think they're totally different. They're still working. They're just not working in a normal fashion, but they're not just blowing it off and, you know, going to the park and uh, having, a, having a field day. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with one, not fine with the other. A lot of the, I don't want to say excuses I've heard, but other um, former athletes have said, you know, this is the time where you're building that fourth quarter mentality of this is tough, this is hard, we're out of breath, um, our legs hurt, et cetera. And they feel like the players aren't getting that because they're getting these quote-unquote off days that are walkthroughs slash jogthroughs. So if we do see tired legs in the fourth quarter, is it going to come back and hurt Nathaniel Hackett? 
Oh, it's definitely going to be the question that he's going to have to field, that he's going to have to answer. Is it, you know, direct correlation? Is it causation? You know, I I don't know that we'll be able to say that necessarily. I mean, this is a team that, you know, for three years under Vic Fangio, they were trying to relive the glory years of the 1985 New Orleans Saints, and they still blew a lot of leads. So, you know, is that why things may not go well in the fourth quarter? It's probably a part of it if it it doesn't work out. I mean, you know, I heard Nate Jackson talking this morning, and they had Kendall Hinton on this weekend. He was on with John Davis. And Kendall Hinton was talking about how they don't do conditioning in the afternoons. And like, okay, well, boy, if you're not going to be doing that, and then you're a team that, you know, appears to be out of shape, that's going to be an issue. So, um, yeah. And you know what? I think it'll be fair criticism. Look, I'm not saying it's going to work. If you made me predict, I would say it's going to work. I like it. I think Mm -hmm. it's a good outside-the-box type of an idea that, a lot of teams will be copying, you know, relatively soon, kind of like Sean McVay not playing his starters at all in the preseason. That was revolutionary four or five years ago. And now it's like, yeah, what, why would we play him and, and put him in harm's way? So, and a lot of teams are copying it. I think it's going to work, but there's no guarantee. And if it doesn't, yeah, people will question it and rightfully so. Unseen captain says, I think all teams are going to start off slow being that, that this is a whole new coaching staff and nothing will be really on tape for other teams to watch until like week four. I would say this benefits them. Do you agree or disagree, James? I think for every benefit, there's a, for every positive, there's a negative, right? Of Yep. We don't really know. Teams won't really know what you're going to get out of Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, but by the same token, they haven't been together you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are on the same page. They know exactly what each other are thinking. That's not going to be the situation here. So I think there's pluses and minuses. I think those probably kind of all even out to some extent. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that, that favors the Broncos is their schedule. I, I mean, I really don't think it's outside the realm of possibilities for this team to start 8-0, right? Like it's at Seattle, not a team expected to go to the playoffs. Houston at home, bad football team. You get San Francisco week three, Trey Lance early in his career as a starter. You get Indianapolis at home on a short week for a Thursday night. You go to the Chargers. You go to the Raiders. That'll be half Broncos fans. Like, go through the first eight games heading up to to when you go to Jacksonville or go to London to play Jacksonville. It's like, man, okay, that's a a winnable game. doesn't mean they'll win them all, but it it sets up well. So that plus and minus of, ah, they don't have film. They don't have the the book on you. I think that stuff all evens out. I think the fact that the schedule is – very Bronco friendly to start with and really tough down the stretch. They better start off or start off hot. This whole nonsense of, well, they could start two and three. It happened with Kate Manning, his first year here, totally different situations. And I I think it's, uh, I think it's silly to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. Today's also a special Monday and a special day, even though it's our final week of training camp, it's also eight, eight and long live Demarius Thomas. They're celebrating it down at Georgia tech. The Broncos tweeting about it too. Obviously, we miss DT. You know, we've had Brandon Marshall come in, and so you wish you, you could kind of see how the excitement would be with Demarius Thomas. But obviously, we just wanted to speak on that today because it is still a sad day, James. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's kind of one of those things when you come across these types of days, and we'll, you know, you'll you'll have various anniversaries, whether it's the anniversary of the Tebow to Demarius play, or mm-hmm. you know, at some point during the season, we'll have the anniversary of his passing. And it's just like, man. It, it, it just kind of hits you again, and it's hard to believe that that actually happened. Just such a young guy in the in the prime of his life, um, you know. In my opinion, the greatest receiver in Broncos history, and that's no disrespect to Rod Smith. Rod Smith is number two for me. There's there's nothing wrong with uh, with coming in second in that race, but 
DT could do it all, just the combination of size and speed, uh, his playmaking making ability. He did it with all types of quarterbacks, Kyle Orton, Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, you name it, just a tremendous player. Uh, and then, you know, just the impact he had on people and, and people in Broncos country, you know, a, a great guy off the field as well. So it's cool that Georgia Tech is doing that. that the Broncos are mentioning it. Um, hopefully it becomes a longstanding tradition. So every year we can, uh, we can always remember the greatness of Demarius Thomas. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Boys and Girl Club, Emmanuel Sanders did an event a few months back speaking about how he was so involved there. And yeah, there's so many good memories about DT. So excited to celebrate the day. Uh, still, unfortunately, a sad day, though, um, here on 8-8. But let's go into Drew Locke, James, because you mentioned Seattle a little while back. Now, are you rooting for Drew Locke in Seattle? I am. Yeah. And I put a tweet out this weekend. And, you know, I, I get labeled as a Drew Locke apologist or a Drew Locke fan, which is silly. I mean, really, Rachel, all I was was I, I was somebody who just didn't pile on the kid. Mm-hmm. I, I gave him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Do I think there are things that he needed to do better? Of course. Was the whole, you know, uh, tracer gate or whatever it was during COVID uh, <laughs> an immature thing to do? Yes. Was the fumble against Cincinnati last year inexcusable? Yes. Like all of those things are true. But you can also look at it and say, hey, the 2020 season, everybody got a COVID pass except for Drew Locke, right? Pat Shermer, he got a pass. Vic Banjo, he got a pass. The mm-hmm. only guy who lost his job was Drew Locke. It all got pinned on him, even though they didn't have an offseason. They didn't have OTAs. They didn't have a normal training camp. They had switched offensive coordinators and gone from Rich Gangarella to Pat Shermer. And then he had no time to work with that guy in the offseason. He got blamed for all of it. Like, I just think it's a little bit unfair and I think it's a little, it would be a little disingenuous of me to constantly rip Vic Fangio to constantly rip Pat Shermer. And then to not think that those two guys had some detrimental impact on Drew Locke's development. I don't know that he's ever would have ever been a great quarterback, right? Like his ceiling may be a six or a seven, but the reason he was a three here was because of the way the Broncos handled him. So yeah, I'm rooting for him to go to Seattle and uh, have some success and prove that it was Vic and Pat that held him back more than it was uh, that it was him. But would I rather have Russell Wilson? Of course, uh, we wouldn't be. I wouldn't be picking the Broncos to go 11 and six if they had Nathaniel Hackett here and Drew Locke was the quarterback. So I, I think both of those things can be true to use the Zach Byism of you know thrilled that they have Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's light years better than Drew Locke. But I'm rooting for Drew Locke because I think he got a bit of a bad deal. I said all along that Vic Fangio never gave him the time of day. I think that stands for what we saw at his press conferences, what we saw at a practice, what we saw at a game. Yep. I don't think he ever gave him the time of day. And, yeah, I would love for Drew Locke to go into Seattle. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I think Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback in Seattle week one against the Broncos. But, yes, also I would rather have Russell Wilson here and not be talking about what's Drew Locke going to do. And did he have a lot of growing up to do? Yes. But I just feel like, and especially too with the social media world hating on Drew Locke all the time. I'm like, where did this even come from? Like, hate on somebody who actually did some wrong things in life. Like, not that I think anyone should get bullied on the internet, but come on, leave Drew Locke alone. Let the kid play football. He was good enough to make it in the NFL. He's good at football. Yeah, he may be a six, maybe a seven at his highest, but let the kid live. Let him go out there and play. I say kid as if I'm pretty sure he's like the same age as me, but <laughs> I can call him kid. <laughs> I can call him kid. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfair. Like, did he do some boneheaded things on the field? 
Of course he did. But, you know, he was not a guy that got in trouble off the field at all. He wasn't a problem in the community. You know, you weren't constantly seeing him on the police blotter. Like, I think we got to keep it a little bit in perspective, right? Like, could it have been better with Drew Locke? Of course it could have been. Were there some highlights that kind of, you know, made us think, hey, this could work? Yeah, and that's the disappointing part to me is I do think there's something there. And again, I think his ceiling is probably a six or a seven if you're rating him out of 10. Mm-hmm. But he didn't get to that here. And that's partially his fault. I, I, I think that's fair. But I think a large part of it is the organization and the coaching staff that was here. So, uh, you know, I, I do think it's unfair just the piling on. And again, that's all I tried to do when he was here, right? Like mm-hmm. I, the Bengals game last year when he comes in for Teddy Bridgewater, to me is a prime example of, of how unfairly he was treated, right? And Dan Jacobs and Brandon Stokely and all these guys, they give that loss to Drew Locke, even though the Broncos were behind when he came in. And Teddy Bridgewater had done nothing in the game, nothing. Never got the team into the red zone mm-hmm. in the game. Drew Locke leads him to a score, gives him a lead. Cincinnati goes down and gets a touchdown. Two plays. Big Fangio's defense held the lead for two plays. And then Drew gets him down there again and has the unfortunate fumble. It's like he played better than Teddy Bridgewater in that game by a mile. But they saddle him with the loss to the eventual AFC champions, by the way. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl. And they they praise Teddy Bridgewater in that game who did nothing and just pile on on, uh, Drew Locke. I think that's just kind of a microcosm of how – unfairly he was treated here but look it's water under the bridge he's in seattle now i'm rooting for him he's in the nfc mm-hmm. i think broncos fans better hope they they get geno smith in week one and not not a motivated drew lock oh very very good point uh adam says go broncos not go see chickens well hey if people can still root for philip Lindsay, i think you can root for drew lock all right there were blood at some point in this NFL. root for the person root for the person not the player there we go i like that a not lot the now. Team, not the team I like that. I like that. Uh, college ball is back, too, though. They had their um, training camp, pre-camp, whatever the heck you want to call it, too. CSU, CSU um, working. CSU and CU, excuse me. I don't care about the bus. If you didn't know, I went to CSU. So I just kind of, you know, smack them over there. But um, they're also back playing ball, which means college football is back soon, James. Yeah. You know, boy, it's really hard to get too fired up about college football in this state, isn't it? I mean, CU, you know, picked by most people to finish dead last in the uh, disintegrating Pac-12. Uh, you know, CSU is a little bit intriguing to me. New coaching staff, see if they get, um, you know, can kind of get things on track and kind of run in their air raid version of the of an offense. I think that'll be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But look, you're a, you're a Ram. I'm a Buff. I think the Buffs are, um, you know, they, they're they're going to stink this year. They're not going to be very good. I think the over under on them is three and a half. So that tells you something. It's just it's an ugly time for college football here. And it's hard to get too into it, right? The sport is a mess. All this moving around and the realignment and the NIL and all that kind of thing. It's just like, you know what? I just have a hard time getting myself interested in it. Once the season starts and there's just games all over the TV on Saturdays, and yeah, it's, it's something to have on. But I'm an NFL guy. Grew up here. Broncos were king. And Buffs had about a five, six, seven-year run where they were uh, compelling. So, uh, yeah, college football – doesn't get me too excited. It's it's background noise on a Saturday. That's what it is. It's still football on your TV, though, so we'll always take it. Correct. But I will say, I think, and I sometimes people hate on me for this, but I would much rather watch college basketball than college football any day. I just think it is. It's just elite in the college sports. 
Yeah, I mean, college basketball is another one that if it weren't for the NCAA tournament, I, I think it'd be interesting how much interest there is in it. We did see this past year, though, and part of this was COVID and everything else, that in the tournament, you had more teams that actually had juniors and seniors. It wasn't as much impacted by the one and done. And the level of play was so much better. You just didn't have the sloppiness that comes with a bunch of guys who, you know, haven't been together very long that, you know, were playing in high school the year before. So the product can be great. I think that's maybe what frustrates me the most about college basketball. The product can be great. The mm-hmm. system, and I get it. Hey, if the guy can go make a make millions in the NBA, I'm, who am I to prevent him? Yep. But the system just doesn't make to where college basketball, the product, is as good as it could be. We saw that this past year. I enjoyed the NCAA tournament in 2022. I had to think for a second when it was. More than, uh, more than I have in a decade. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm probably with you. College basketball, the tournament, much more interesting than the, than the playoff in college football. You and I could probably get three of the four. that are, It's going to be Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then pick one. Yeah. Right? Is it going to be Notre Dame? Is it going to be Clemson? Who's, who's going to be the outlier that gets in there? That, to me, is very uninteresting. No, I 100% agree with you. But what is interesting, James, is finding out where the Stanley Cup is because we're all still here. We still have the Stanley Cup champions in the Colorado Avalanche, and it's been traveling around all over the place. And do you remember the Humboldt Broncos? I do. Yeah, the the, the bus incident. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so junior hockey team in Canada, they got in a bus crash in 2018. It really took over the entire sports world. Over 10 people, unfortunately, died. Well, Jared Bednar got to hang out with them yesterday. Yeah, here's some pictures from it. It looks great. Um, And I think this is a really cool gesture from Jared Bednar because he had his day, too, where he was in North Carolina with the Cup. But to be able to do this and to spend that time with all of those members, I think it really speaks um, volumes to kind of just who Jared Bednar is. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I think it's it's a very cool gesture. Um, you know, it's a, it's a day that will mean a ton to, to those folks, um, and people who are, you know, unsung heroes. So I think it's a great thing for Jared Bednar to do. And I think you're right. I think it speaks to sort of him as the person of, you know, you get your time with the cup and what do you choose to do with it? Not that I'm being critical of anybody who just decides, Hey, I'm going to go have a party with it by any means. Um, cause that's been earned and there's a, there's a time and a place for that as well. But yeah, tip of the cap to Jared Bednar. I look, and I was, uh, critical of Jared Bednar, didn't know if he was the guy that could help this team get over the hump. Clearly, he proved that he was, but never been critical of him as a as a person. He's always been a stand up guy, um, always has treated people with the utmost respect. So this doesn't surprise me uh, at all. But good for good for him. That was uh, that was cool. I, I like just watching the cup bounce around. Right, you just see the the variety of things and the places it goes and the impact it can have on people and the fun and the and all the rest of it and the emotion. So, uh, yeah, yesterday was just another fun chapter in that journey. Well, you uh, mentioned partying, and Darcy Kemper definitely does that, and he still knows the lyrics to all the small things. Take a listen. to see it oh my goodness we had such a fun time with this Colorado Avalanche team oh yep here's Darcy two back in Saskatchewan with his dog in the cup 
big dog girl over here. So I always love seeing this. And then he also went to the Royal University Hospital and brought the cup around to a bunch of kids that, you know, probably just needed a little extra spirit lift in their day. So another cool gesture for Darcy Kemper to do. And we obviously we wish him luck um, in Washington with the Capitals. Yeah, that was uh, that was cool. And that shows both extremes, right? But, yep. Hey, you're partying and you're having fun and you're singing the song, which, by the way, I really thought I would be over it at this point. No. And then as soon as that starts playing, you start singing along with it. You kind of get the smile on your face. You get those feelings again from when we were doing the post-game show after every game. So that's something that's not going to wear off uh, anytime soon. But, yeah, then, you know, going to the children's hospital, seeing the kids, bringing the, a little joy into their day. That's awesome, too. So, uh, yeah, the, the journey has been fun. I think that was Philip Pritchard that was posting those photos. That's the guy that's the keeper of the cup, right? Yep. That's the guy that Jake wrote the, the story about. So he's got, uh, he's got some stories to tell, I'm sure. Uh, I was talking to somebody, too, and I had asked, like, does he play private? Like, do they just take him around? No, he flies commercial, James. He has to have so many miles. Oh, my gosh. So much time in the airport. Oh, and anybody who's dealt with the airport – you know, in recent, in recent months, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. So that guy has the patience of Job to deal with that and all the international travel. And look, some of these places uh, can be pretty remote too. So I'm, de- I'm sure he's dealing with some small airports and some planes that you and me maybe wouldn't want to get on. So uh, that guy leads an interesting life. Yeah. Um, he's gone all the time though. I don't think I'd like that job. I'd like that job for like a year. I would want to do it this year with the abs, right? And bounce around and see what's going to happen. And that'd be done. I'd, I'd be retiring after one year. Well, and you're always partying. You're always on the move, right? You're always surrounded by a bunch of people too. Or you're in an airport, like airplane, airport or airplane, excuse me, going to wherever you're going next. So yeah, it's a busy lifestyle. I don't know if that one is for me. I think I'd rather be here. But again. But he doesn't get to party. Right? He's got to watch the cup. He just has to hang out at a party and watch everybody else have fun. True. And be terrified that somebody's going to do something to the cup, um, like drop right. ice and bang it up a little bit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I think he has to go to all these things and watch everybody else have fun. Um, yeah, I don't think he gets Get to uh, you know, partake in all of it. True, true, true. Uh, well, Jack Johnson is hoping to re-sign with the Colorado Avalanche, but as of yet... Nothing official has happened. Do you think that the Avs should bring back Jack Johnson? Sure, right? Like, I mean, if you can and if the dollars are right, I think he's, uh, you know, he's a good player. I think he's a good part of the team and the, the chemistry and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, do I think that's a irreplaceable piece? No, I think he's, I think he's kind of in that category of, you know, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but kind of a guy, right? Like, you can plug him you can plug in various players that can, that can fill that role. So um, yeah, I mean, it, all things being equal, sure. Right. Bring back the guy, you know, bring back the guy fits in, in, in the room, but is it something you're going to, you know, break the bank for or overpay for or any of that kind of stuff? No, not by any means. I think it comes down to money too. How much is he asking Always. for? Can it fit into their realm of what they want to do moving forward? Uh, would I like to see him come back? Yeah. I feel like he had a special role, but it's not absolutely, like you said, James, something that needs to happen by any means. But what is still surprising is not that Padre is still out there. They have, he's not been signed, but he's looking for $9 million a year. For this ass team, is he worth nine mil, or should he go off to another team? It depends on how many years, right? Is he worth $9 million this coming season? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the season after, and probably the season after, 
Yeah. I think you start getting beyond three years, four years. Then I I think you start looking at it and saying, okay, do you want to sign a Chris Bryant type type of contract where down the road, you know, it's going to be problematic. You're trying to avoid that. So if I'm the abs, I'd overpay him for now, right? Like, Hey, we'll overpay you in the next two or three years versus what anybody else would give you. We're just not giving you the long-term contract. Does that become the trade-off? Maybe. Um, nobody seems to be willing to give him multiple years or a lot of years at $9 because otherwise he would have been signed by now. So that may be the, the way to go. But is he worth $9 million a year? Yeah, for this season and, uh, and, and for the next couple. So hopefully they can get it done. Fingers crossed. It is weird that that hasn't happened. We heard you know rumors that he was going to sign with the Islanders and all the rest of these things. Nothing's come to fruition. So you know, clock keeps ticking. Most, almost all those deals from free agency got done within like 24 to 48 hours. And here we are, what, a month and a half later, mm-hmm. uh, if not more, and Nazem Kadri still uh, on the market. It's, it's peculiar for sure. There has to be something going on behind the scenes because I'm very – like he was one of the top name, if not the top name, about where's Nazem Kadri going to go, what's going to happen with him. So it's just bizarre – that we've only heard really like one rumor around him, like you mentioned with the Islanders, but nothing happened with it. Like there's, there's something going on and I'm not exactly sure what it is. Well, he's an interesting character to have fit in, right? Like, you know, not some cadre. Yeah. Big personality, but in in a really good player, Mm -hmm. but he's a guy you bring in if you think you're close. Right. So that narrows down the list of teams that he could go to. But then on those teams that are close, there's a bunch of them that he's going to want no part of or they're going to want no part of him. Case in point, St. Louis or Edmonton, right? Two teams that the Avs played during the playoffs. Well, they're close. They're they're in contention. But he ain't going to Edmonton and playing with Evander Kane. He ain't going to St. Louis and playing in front of those fans. So, you know, that starts to eliminate some of the possibilities. Because he's not going to Seattle, you wouldn't think, or someplace like that where it's, you know, either a rebuild or starting from scratch. So it just starts to narrow down the list of places you can go. Other guys that are just star players, there aren't teams that have to get crossed off the list because of bad blood one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Nazem Kadri, because of the type of player he is, that is part of the equation. So I do think that's, uh, that's what's making this a little bit tricky for him to navigate. There aren't that many landing places, which is why I still think if you made me bet, I would say he's back here because he knows he fits in here. He knows that it's a it's a team that's obviously a contender. This is uh, this is the best spot for Nazem Kadri. Oh, I like it. I would love to see him re-sign here with the ads. I think it would definitely uh, just kind of bring back the memories. And, you know, obviously you want to go for a two-peat, right? Who doesn't want to do that? But let's talk a little bit Three. about – Oh, you're going three-peat? We're being yeah, three-peat. you got to be the first like, team in 40 true. years to do it. Right? They're good enough. I'm, I'm all about the three-peat. I like it. Uh, yeah, well, one, hopefully you sign or you will re-sign Nathan McKinnon to whatever deal that's going to look like. You got Kale McCarr for a few more years. You got Gabe Landeskog for a few more years. Keep the core together, and, yeah, let's bring a lot of more Stanley Cups back to Denver so the partying can continue. Um, I don't know if I've asked you this, though, and this is kind of going a little off topic. Do you want all the small things to stay the song of the Colorado Avalanche, or is it just on this year? No, that's the song. Keep okay. it going. Right. It's like Sweet Carolina at a Red Sox game. I think the Blues stopped doing Laura Branigan and Gloria, which is silly. Right. Like that's their thing. No, keep it going. Keep it going. It's the song. I love the fact that it's just trolling the other team that you play it when you're so far ahead that you think, hey, I know there's still time on the clock, but this thing is over. I love it. Keep it going.
Our very own Jake Shapiro just said, Blues retired Gloria when they won the cup. Yeah, see, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Should have kept it going. That was their that was their anthem. And I think because you and I are still like bopping our heads when we hear it um, with the Darcy Kemper video, and I think a lot of people even in the comments, Maria saying great memories attached to that song. I think we're all still we still have a little bit of love for that song. I don't think it's gotten away. yeah. So I now, think- if they retire it, it will always be associated with that particular cup run. So mm-hmm. okay, I get it. But I think it should be their theme song and their and their anthem and their their thing that they do throughout this entire run. Like, why limit it to to one year? Like, that's their that's their thing. Keep it rolling. Mm-hmm. Don't okay. mess with it. Karma. It's karma. What else needs to keep rolling is the Colorado Rapids because Gardy, excuse me, Zardes, excuse me, uh, couldn't stop it. He stopped yesterday in the rain. He had a hat trick that led the Rapids to a 4-3 win over Minnesota United. Um, He's got a goal in the 7th, 15th, and 61st minute. Man, today is a hard day to talk. So a hat trick for a second time in his career against Minnesota United. And the Rapids struggled really early on in the season, James. It was very questionable whether what was going to happen with this team. But they're starting to bounce back when it kind of matters as you get closer and closer to the playoffs. So it's kind of given me a little bit of hope. I'm not trying to get too high on it because things can obviously fall again. But I'm kind of into this because the Rapids, they could make a run towards those playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, they had that stretch where they were really good at home and it was more draws than wins. But they had this mm-hmm. long stretch where they hadn't lost at home and that kind of at least kept them uh, somewhat in contention. So if they can get hot here – uh, down the stretch and maybe in the last couple of months, maybe they can put themselves in a playoff position. But, hey, I'm going to sound like the typical anti-soccer guy. I see that graphic and I'm just like, four to three? Now we're talking. That, that's know. something you want to show up and watch. That that sounds like a lot of fun. No, 100%. past two games have been extremely high scoring and honestly a lot of fun to watch. So Jake also yeah. just said, Rapids have had nine goals, yeah, in the last two games. Three there points. There we go. 11 games to play, but they're in 10th still, which is just showing kind of what the MLS is doing this year. It's been crazy, but we'll keep our eye on the Rapids for sure. Just like, oh, hit me. Yeah, they they beat LAFC, right? Isn't LAFC the Mm -hmm. top team in the West? So they've shown that they can can play with the the best teams. It's just doing it consistently and, you know, putting together a stretch here. So fingers crossed. Let's see. I love James on the soccer. We love to see it. That MLS tidbits coming in handy. All right, everyone. But we'll right. keep you updated on everything Colorado Rapids as well as training camp. We'll have training camp live tonight, 5.30 after practice. So make sure you come hang out with myself, Cecil, and Mason. We break down everything you need to know. We'll see everybody again also at 10.30 tomorrow morning. Bye, everyone.